At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. Let's Can I get it. another beer? Is that probably a louder? Yeah. Answer? Oh, they, right. the answer is always yeah. yes to that question. <laughs> <laughs> These are the tales of golf past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending historic rounds on and off course moments, memories of personal catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol i'm jer i'm proy i'm joe and i'm Megs. we do the work you tell the story these are the lynx stories uh, i'm fahim Ahmad, and i'm here to tell you the story about donald ross So he was born um, some time ago in the 1800s, um, grew up in Scotland. Um, I believe he worked as a carpenter for a few years. Um, and he sort of picked up the game of golf just so he'd, you know, have something in common um, on the social scale uh, with some of his colleagues. Um, and then um, from everything I've read from there, he... Um, eventually got into working with um, old Tom Morris. Um, that's kind of how he got started in the golfing world. Um, Elder Tom. So he worked as, yeah, Elder Tom, right? Not the young one. Um, I think the young one had a better career, right? Or playing career, maybe? Um, Tell us. Sounds right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think his name uh, rings more bells when they cover through like the Masters commercials or maybe the Open. I don't know. I might be just making that up. But um, so yeah, he works um, as an apprentice under old Tom. Um, and then apparently he meets some like fancy businessmen from the U.S. Um, so it's still in like the 1800s at this point. And I, somebody just convinced him that he should make the leap um, across the pond the United States. Um, so I suppose he like, from everything I've gathered, he gets engaged or he's engaged before he's convinced to head to the United States. And I guess he just jumps on a ship and shows up here in a few weeks. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so from there, um, he, I think he gets a job very early on. It's like 1899, maybe. Um, I don't know if he's in charge of like a golf professional. It's, you know, he's got a pretty prominent playing career at this point. He's got some uh, competitive experience um, that he pursues maybe to a lighter degree later on. Um, but immediately he, he meets this guy. Uh, so I'm in North Carolina and he meets this guy, uh, James Tuft. Um, so if you just drive like left and right across the state, you actually see this the, the last name a lot, Tuft. Um, so that's actually um, something that, like, rang a bell to me. Um, so from there, yeah, apparently he, like, makes the move. Um, it's, like, the first course he's ever redesigned. Um, I don't remember the original name, but I believe it's known as, like, Wyckoff Country Club nowadays. So in, like, 1900, I believe, he's, like, convinced by this tough guy to make a move to North Carolina. Um, so... I guess it's back in the 1900s. I don't know what the weather was like, but um, so he makes the move down to Pinehurst and he becomes a golf professional um, at the resort. Um, I don't know if it was a work back then, but he eventually designs like one, two, three, and I don't actually know the fourth one, um, 
we'll call it four. Why not? But that's been renovated since. Sounds right. Um, yeah. And so he, he basically, um, he spent some time there, um, designing the golf courses. I think he has like full rights to just do whatever he wants and implement some of these, um, principles that he's kind of pushed out there over the years. Um, so then shortly after that, I believe he like pursues a bit more playing in uh major championships. Enters a few U.S. Open, a single British Open. Um, he's got a few top tens, maybe. Uh, not a great track record at the British Open, but I believe he only showed up twice and finished like eighth the second time around, like years and years apart. Um, and then casual from there. Yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah, he goes from this cut to T eight. That's pretty impressive. Um, I don't know where he was. Maybe he was practicing while he was in Wilmington. Um, pretty gusty down there. Maybe that's how he prepped for the U S open while he was designing the, uh, the mini golf course down there. I don't know. Um, um and so, you know, he, he's kind of eventually talked out of this playing career, uh, some other rich gentleman that I don't recall his name. Um, and he just, I think he just sort of leaves the playing world and goes full time into architectural um, and agronomy uh, practice and design. So, study of soil. Like, uh, what, what, yeah, what is the timeline? Like the Titanic went down and then it was like the Great Depression, um, the 1920s, <laughs> right? Um, we skipped a few years, but. Um, <laughs> so he goes from like. You know, he's like the hot ticket. He's like the founding father of golf in America to some degree, right? Um, and so he's essentially, there's a lot of rumors going around. You know, there's like the Donald Ross Society. There's some people swear that if he, if he touched the golf course in any way, shape, or form, looked at a map, it counts as a Donald Ross design. I've played a few places around the country where you basically get yelled at if you ask the question. Um, <laughs> um, so I played like Danville Golf Club last year. Um, so, you know, it says Donald, it's like a Donald Ross tradition on the card. But it's, it's one of those where it's like you step on the front nine and you're like, all right, there's clearly some influence here. Or maybe he did show up in Danville, Virginia back in the day. Like, I don't know. But then you step on the back nine, and you're like, this has zero characteristics of a Donald Ross course. But I guess that's how it's marketed, right? Um, yeah, so what, he agreed um, to build the front nine. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hear that story a lot. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of these stories where he, like, he built one of the two nines, and the other nine just like completely trash. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess the you know the, the the going rate is for you just get to play nine holes. Um, like Joe, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of um, South Carolina golf where there's I, there's a lot of those Donald Ross sort of he did one nine or the other um, around. Have you played any of those? No, I've not. I've not played oh. any uh, Don Ross courses. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. I played. Uh, have you played Franklin Park up in Massachusetts? Up in no. Boston. Mm -hmm. Um. You sh you should do it. We can we can talk a little bit about Franklin Park later, but it's a it's a pretty crazy crazy course. Yeah, what, no doubt. And uh, what our boy Don should have done is built like even <laughs> holes, and you just like wouldn't be able to tell as much, or at least you'd get <laughs> yeah. you'd get a flavor of it every other hole. <laughs> and uh, and that's the big knock on him, right? Like um, he didn't have the foresight to build only the even numbered holes. Like I don't know what he was thinking. Um, yeah. So that's that's his largest so criticism. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, more so than the uh, the turtleback green criticism from like yes. the struggling golfer, right? Um, on right. the day, I suppose. Um, so he, you know, he's he's got his hand on a lot of places. Um, he's kind of got these like he's designed Pinehurst number two at this point. Um, like his, I mean, that's easily the most famous Donald Ross course if anybody you were to ask in the world, right? So he and these have like oil based screens at this point. So this entire like process of like looking things up and like reading into Donald Ross, I'm like, so wait, so we these like turtle shaped turtle back shaped greens 
and they were like oil stained, which I'm still not 100% sure what that even is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm having a hard time. Uh, no one is. It's okay. Oil stained <laughs> green is. Yeah. Like, uh, no, and I figured I wasn't alone in that. The ball just that, slid away. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Like, um, yeah, and I don't know what kind of golf balls they were playing. Like, with, were gutta perchers or whatever stopping on these old sand greens. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, they were they were uh, great greens for uh, for when it rained, though. Just repelled the water away. Cause they don't mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's listed in like uh, one of the physics textbooks I was um, reading the other day. So no, I, so I've actually played Piners number one, which is like definitely not designed to have a stim breeding of like 12 or 13 because you will put every ball off those greens. Um, it's got a lot of those like classic architectural um, aspects though. Um, like uphill par four is very like contoured green. I actually, I played really well there like a couple, it's probably like four or five years ago now, but it was just like, man, you had no choice but to like hit the ball in the right place or you were gonna three putt or double chip the green. Um, so it always takes me back to a time where, like, I do get, in the, I do wonder what um, old Dan Greens were like. But, anyways, um, so he designed like number two. Um, it's got a lot of his like the, just peak Donald Ross elements, like the turtle shaped back greens, um, switchbacks is kind of where you're forced to hit, you work the ball both ways on the same hole. Um, he's got punch bowls, which intentionally. Has to be <laughs> intentionally right and which i don't know if i i personally don't understand that i don't know if you guys do um i pretend like i do at times but um <laughs> like i don't actually believe my nurse number two actually has any punch bowl greens that i recall um but maybe i'll just have to go back and like find out um so he you know he's putting a lot of these features into place um Pinehurst is I, I, honestly, none of the cross bunkering stands out or the cross hazards. Um, but of course, prominent turtleback green, um, which is about as Donald Ross as they actually get. Um, like if you're not hitting your irons well that day, you're going to have a bad time. Right? Um, yeah. I think one of the yeah, other features was around his greens is like, um, <clears throat> like hazards or, you know, trouble behind greens or at least kind of filtering off of greens, like whether it be shaved areas to the sides or things like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he'd have a lot of these greens that kind of, um, I guess they're sort of pitched in a way, right? So they run from like um, uphill from front to back. And so when you run the ball into those greens, great play, but not a good idea to miss long on a back pin, right? Um, yeah. and he brings, he brings a lot of these like mind games in the play, which is like one of my favorite parts of playing, um, some of his courses. Um, so, you know, he's like, he's going along, he's, he's, he's putting his thumbprint on a lot of these courses. And then, um, if I get my timing right, I don't know, it's like 1920, right. Or just slightly before that, the Spanish flu hits, right. Um, or, and then the great depression, or I guess they're all sort of in the same decade, right. Maybe, um, and so he's now. like running this company. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so he's like running this company. Um, he's employed like I don't know a couple thousand people, maybe more. Um, and they're just looking at like maps from like aerial footage, which I need to dig in deeper to that. I didn't know they had that technology a hundred and twenty years ago. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no idea. So <laughs> yeah. not a not a big map um, guy. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if Google that was around cartography. Cart cartography. I don't know. Yeah, he was an anonymous, not a not a cartographer. Whatever. <laughs> just pull up. Just pull up the maps app. <laughs> Zoom out. Is he is he playing uh, GeoGuessr? Trying to find where to build his next course. <laughs> Catching Pokemon in the go, and like while he's at it. There you go. <laughs> um, so maybe I don't know. Maybe he knew the Wright brothers. They were around here. They were first in flight. Um, you probably see that in Ohio too, right? Um, I think they were from Dayton there. Flyers. Or, or yeah, Dayton Flyers. Um, and we have 
um, airplanes all over our license plates originally down here in North Carolina. So I, I don't know, whatever. It's like there's a lot of Donald Ross in Ohio too, right? Um, we can all fight over that. Flying in Donald Ross. Um, well, but was he really here? Or did uh, he, you tell us? I don't know. Uh, did he use the Maps app? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take a couple of Adderall and go to the Moore County Library, and uh, I'll dig in a little bit deeper for it. <laughs> um, so that's part two. Um, <laughs> yeah, stay tuned, right? Uh, we gotta build this up. We gotta hype it up a little bit. Um, so uh, you know, he he's like running this organization. Um, he's employing a lot of people. Maybe he's using the Wright brothers to get some of these um, aerial uh, photographs again blows my mind that they, we had either technology of flying or cameras back in the day. I don't know what kind of megapixels they were working with, but um, so he's like designing a lot of these courses. Apparently at its peak, the numbers from like 400 to 700. Um, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really dig in that deep, but uh, a lot of arguing between those two numbers. So let's just call it 400. And so either way, apparently he touched about, um, a third to a half of these courses and never saw the rest. Um, so, you know, he was obviously limited by like travel. Um, yeah, and I suppose there were probably some, there were probably a lot of wars back in the day too or whatever going on. So apparently, yeah, he just saw Boer a third war. to a half of his, yeah, the Boer Wars. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he has any South African designs actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> And that, that that podcast you shared had me thinking about, um, I wonder if there's any Alistair McKenzie golf course influence from his time spent there uh, fighting uh, the British or anything like that. <laughs> um, so it, it's funny reading about his wives back in like the 19, early 1900s, but um, we were talking about like Pete Dye earlier. Like Alice Dye comes up in a lot of text about Pete Dye. I don't know. I've read that yeah, um, like she played a prominent role in um, coming up with the idea of seventeen at Sawgrass. Uh, but you don't hear anything about Donald Ross mm. or whatever was going on there. I guess she was in Scotland for like seven years. So, um, so yeah. Along the same time, he, uh, he gets engaged, um, moves to the U.S. Um, from Scotland, from Royal um, Dornick, which is where he served as, like, a professional back in the day. Um, and I guess he spent seven years in the States before going back to get engaged. Um, so he's engaged. Uh, I guess suppose he gets married, has one kid, I believe, with the first woman. Um, sure. Yeah, Janet. Um, Lillian's the daughter. And then, <laughs> Lillian, um, yeah, you don't see her in a lot of textbooks either. So mm. um, maybe she didn't. She didn't come up with the punch bowl or anything cool like that. <laughs> she wasn't a wasn't a big golfer. Sounds like I don't know. It was expensive back in the day. Maybe he was a strict parent. Maybe. Um, so yeah, um, I guess he. Um, you know, he's, he's seven years in the states. Goes back, gets married, has a daughter. Um, she, uh, pretty sure she died. And I didn't read anything about her getting or them getting divorced. Um, he immediately gets remarried to um, an American, I believe, in Rhode Island. Uh, so all this time, he's kind of been in North Carolina. Um, he finds his first job coming down from Massachusetts at Wyckoff Country Club. Um, and he's, you know, kind of lured into the head pro position at Piners where he had all that freedom and flexibility from a architectural standpoint. Um, and then I think he quickly discovers that it's more than ideal to spend time or you know, your winters in North Carolina and your summers in like Rhode Island. So I believe that's where he spent a lot of his time um, during the summers. Um, it's just hot as shit down here. It's very humid. Um, I'm sure Rhode Island is more pleasant in the summer. Uh, so he apparently has different different golf. kind of heat in Little Compton. Yeah, uh, Little Compton, Rhode Island. <laughs> and uh, what was his wife's name? Uh, was it Francie? Um, man, thought I would remember that one, but not important enough once again. Francie works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's Francie Ross at the end of the day, right? So. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know how Scottish women or Rhode Island women were about taking last names back in the day. Um, so, um, you know, he, he's kind of just working out of this, uh, I suppose, what do you call it, a field office, um, sending out plans. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was just like a an old school project manager that just had a good way of communicating back in the day. Um, I don't know if they were using like pigeons or like telegrams or um, smoke signals. Well, like, yeah. So I mean, if, if you give like by the 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 tamest of estimates, say he he actually touched two hundred courses, that still means he managed two hundred other courses um remotely right and we're like struggling on webex over here um (laughs) similar connection to pat's camera (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he he eventually um everything comes full circle um he, he you know he he's his career trajectory is already full on into like the architect side of things. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure he, he's really like influencing a lot of other designers at this point um, as the founding father. And especially like, I, th- like this hat, for example, I don't know if it says like 1896 or something like that, but Asheville country club. So there were golf courses around before Donald Ross got here, but um, he obviously played a much bigger role than like, um, influencing the designs and on the on the east coast especially i imagine uh, so i think he's got something like courses in like 41 states or canada four provinces and cuba something along those lines so he basically he, he comes back full circle after like the great depression and like the roaring 20s um we've all like read or seen like the great gatsby um and, you know, that kind of goes into Joe, like, um, the Charleston, right? That, that was like a, a freaking escape for like, um, like rich, uh, people from the Northeast, right? Like Yemen's and, um, uh, what's the, uh, Charleston Country Club, right? Like those are, and then, uh, that's where the Muni's like inspiration, the Steph Rainer kind of. Yeah. Um, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was the inspiration for it all. Leo Seth Rainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when this podcast blows up, you could pay Leo to play Seth Rainer. Yeah, we probably got to black out his name, and we got to pay him. Oh God, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you drinking over there? Is that like a hazy IPA that Sierra Nevada? It is. is. It's hazy little yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah Joe's got yeah. about two cases of them from our leftover bachelor party that we <laughs> didn't get through because. Uh, we drank all the bush light in the city of Charleston, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, if you, yeah, if you guys, um, there's a lot of, like, excellent restaurants. Charleston's, like, obviously known. Um, Joe, you've probably been out a bunch of these places, but, um, like, the culinary scene is, like, exquisite down there. Um, yeah, it's good very good. down there, too. What's that? Good beer Gross. down there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um all right, so yeah, back to Donald Roth, I suppose. But um, so yeah, he um, you know, they go through like the Roaring Twenties, um, the Great Depression. Obviously, he you know this company he's running with like two, three thousand people at this point. Probably, I'm sure they had some layoffs. Um, probably grind to a screeching halt, and eventually he comes out of this and he finds himself back in like Pinehurst. Um. So at this point, you know, again, the oil-based greens are there, and they're ready to make the transition into what you still see today in the South, like Bermuda green. Um, so maybe, like, the golf ball technology is sort of changing. Uh, maybe the golf ball's rolling or bouncing a little bit more. Uh, maybe there's some distance, too. I've, I don't know what these conversations were like 100 years ago. That's why we need time machines. Um, or just you. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can just tell us what these conversations are like. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I'm gonna go to the library and I'll report back on this. Uh, yes, but um, that's right. So you go down there. Um, and, you know, he finds himself back in Pinehurst, and they're putting in Bermuda greens. 
Um, and he finds himself back along like the southeastern coast of the United States where a lot of his like more modern designs are. Uh, I think a lot of his like old school stuff is up in like the, the Northeast um, Piners. 110 years old now, of course. Um, but that's like another step in like the uh, evolution of golf in the, uh, I suppose the United States or maybe there's just south, the Southeast. But, um. Um, so what Donald Ross is like mostly known about or why he's famous are a lot of his like architectural features um, that you see all like across North Carolina. Um, so I think I've played maybe a couple Donald Ross courses up, up in Ohio. Um, like, have you been to Manikiki up there? It's like east mm -hmm. of Cleveland. That's one where I don't know how far is uh, Akron from uh, Cleveland. Close. Yeah, not very oh, sorry, Dayton or whatever. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Dayton. Dayton, yeah. it's like three, three and a half hours, something like that. Okay. I've been up there a bunch, yeah. but just haven't played it. I played Canterbury once, um, which was sweet. I don't know who designed it, but there's been, you know, some older, a while ago there, I think maybe it was a Ryder Cup or a PGA or I don't know, some power six ish tournament <clears throat> was there, but I haven't played a ton up in Cleveland, Akron area. What's in the, what's your power six? Is it the four majors, the players and what else? That was just a yeah, a number. <laughs> um, Ryder, so probably the four majors, Ryder Cup. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's probably like a power eight ish. President's Cup, Walker Cup, um, the Waterbury and Open, then, <laughs> <laughs> and the Waterbury Open. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, maybe a players or something like that, but. <laughs> something in that, that vicinity. Maybe throw uh Joe, what's the biggest LPGA tour event? Uh well the US Open, obviously, but uh, the A and A. A and A is like really kind of it's the first oh, yeah. first major, but there you go. We'll throw that in there. Joe follows a lot more women's golf than anyone, but um yeah, so should we dive into like design? Um what else should we talk about, Donald? Sure. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's, um, you know, he's obviously well known for a lot of those um, architectural designs that kind of make their way into other courses, like the cross hazards, um, making the courses playable for both lower handicap and beginners, um, which I suppose you, you, I hear you see a lot of that at like Piners. Um you know, you the game's not going to survive if it's only for people who are more experienced or, you know, like the more exclusive side of the game, it's certainly not going to sustain itself over time, right? So someone like Donald Ross, that's why I think a lot of his designs stand the test of time. Um, and we're seeing this big architectural movement, um, especially here in, like, North Carolina, where courses are being renovated back to their original Ross uh, state or the idea of what he had in mind um, man, a good century ago. So I played courses like Mid Pines, Pine Needles, um, which were designed right, you know, maybe like 10, 15 miles, even less from uh, Piners number two, where those two courses are known as or, you know, spoken about as um, some of the truest Donald Ross courses um, anywhere you would find. So Mid Pines, for example, if you roll up there today, you know, winter, summer, any time of the year, uh, the greens are, you'll never find them rolling like a 12, 13 on the stint meter from any time I've played there anyways. Um, so they're still in their original state, um, restored a little bit closer to that from like um, in recent years. But you know, greens that are just were designed to play 100 years ago, maybe a little bit slower rather than with like modern golf technology. Uh, but as like people keep hitting the ball longer because of technology, those courses are still like standing the test of time. Um, so you see a lot of his like architectural um, features like um, the turtle back greens, um, using the contours on the greens, running the ball up, 
shaping the ball both ways. Uh, what do you call it? Like switchbacks or something like that. Um, you see a lot of those courses like get a lot of interest, whether it's like social media or, um, yeah, just foot traffic. But, uh, so yeah, Donald Ross, um, you know, he, he plays this, um, it's like a patriarchal role in golf in Pinehurst. You know, he's got his thumbprint on Pinehurst, Southern Pines. Um, he's got his nose up in, like, Rhode Island. So he's got a big influence up in, like, Massachusetts. Um, I've heard he's got a big influence in, like, Ohio and, like, places like Inverness, places like that. And, like, if you were to Google, um, look up at the images of places like Inverness, I think he's got a lot of, um, you know, double plateau greens, punch bowls. Um, a lot of characteristics like that that he was famous for in the Pinehurst days. Um, so, you know, he's got his handprint on like 400 golf courses. He's making his name out there. I think he's influenced. He's got a bit of a, a bit of an architectural tree at this point. He's influencing a lot of other golf architects throughout the U.S. Um, and I believe he, he there's a foundation, um, like the, it's not the Dolan Ross Society, but like the, um, architectural society. Um, something along those lines. Um, so, you know, there's there's people that today embrace everything that Donald Ross is about, making a fight for, um, or I suppose a fight against, like, the, the dark ages in, like, golf architecture, where a lot of these features that Donald Ross put into play, like cross hazards or um, greens where you run the ball up, those were kind of taken out of play as a lot of like architects following Donald Ross when they guided their hands in there, renovated some of these courses. Um, they removed some of these features that made these courses awesome to play. Um, there's a course in Pinehurst, actually, Southern Pines, um, Southern Pines Golf Club that's being renovated today. Um, there were, you see pictures of the place. You could tell it might have been more exciting or some of the holes were a little less bland back in the day. Um, or maybe modern technologies um, deemed them irrelevant. Maybe a bad way to put it. But um, you see a lot of these courses that are like being restored to uh, what he had in mind back in the day. I like that that's happening, though. Like bringing it back to, to the roots of what it you know, was like to see it through his eyes almost. Of course, we're playing with different clubs and balls and things like that. But, you know, you can see the, the original intention. Yeah, um, like Piner's number two is a good example of that. I mean, obviously, um, we had that, was it, like 2014, the uh, the men's and women's open back-to-back, right? Um, and prior to that, like I think like 2009, 2005, um, I went to all of these. But like, you saw the transition from, you know, Piners, what it is today, covered in Bermuda rough, you know, the, the, they had almost essentially like removed all the pine or the pine straw back in the day. Um, and it was a completely different look. And you see the same course essentially hosting a U.S. Open every single decade. Um, but the most interest it seems to gather is you know, in, in the modern day where it, you know, people are attempting like Kyle Francis may trying to make it look, or was it like Corn Crenshaw? I can't remember which one did number two, but they're trying to restore it to its like original state. Um, and that's what seems to be bringing like the USGA back every uh, year after year. Well, if you take the pines out of Pinehurst, what do you have? I don't know, just the Hurst, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, apparently there's these like uh, restoration projects across the country that are you know, paying tribute to Donald Ross. I don't know if you guys are seeing any of that, uh, but um, so yeah, I played um, Donald Ross's. Um, apparently, when he passed away in 1948, you know, he's got his footprint on the game. Um, he's essentially inspired the rest of America. Uh, I don't know about the rest, but a good majority of like American golf architecture over the next few decades um so raleigh country club um so it it tucked away in this like southeast corner of raleigh where um it's like that typical old school design um you know it's got his it's got his touches all over it 
very demanding golf course where, you know, I know what it was like hitting, throwing like, um, I don't know what the clubs were called back in the day. Um, whatever irons you were hitting, damn, what were they called? Um, mashies, right? Or is that like a wedge or something like that? Who knows? Um, that'll work either way. I, yeah. So, you know, I don't know what it was like hitting the hitting approaches or shots into these greens. Uh, but apparently he had it figured out with his top 10 in majors. Uh, but this Raleigh country club, um, you, you could, you could almost tell, like, I don't know if it was his, maybe I'm being biased, right. But, uh, living in Raleigh and playing it like less than three weeks ago. Um, but you can tell like a lot of the features that I'd seen that really stood out at other places, um, really like came to fruition or maybe he had like perfected them in a way. Um, like long demanding par threes with a lot of these traits um, where bunkers come into play. You can run the ball up, fly it to a certain portion of the green. Um, par fives that make you work the ball both ways. Similar to like, uh, you, you know, you see uh, number, what is it, number number eight on number two. Um, I think it's like a par four in the U.S. Open, but a par five for amateurs. Um but Those are a lot of numbers. Than, yeah, I know, right? I, I can't even make sense of it. Uh, good luck to the guy editing this. Um, Me. Like, yeah, so I actually... Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but, like, yeah, I mean, it's something like... Uh, I might get this completely wrong, but um, it might be... It's opposite, right? But I might be right. Uh, but you basically play... A, a fade off the tee on number eight, the eighth hole of the number two course, and then you have to play a draw into the green. So it's essentially making you work it both ways. Um, you know, there's bailout areas, but it obviously tests like all portion of your all portions of your game. Um, and I think that's why he like stands out, whether it's at the amateur level to me, which is like why he's my favorite designer, or why. Um, Number two keeps getting a uh, U.S. Open every you know five to ten years. Um, yeah, just just love playing its courses. Um, no, it's fantastic to see uh, all the renovation that's happened over time, or the interest in the renovation um, that are bringing his courses back into like the limelight. No, I made it to Pinehurst in uh, 2005. Uh, number two for the Open, um, 2009 and 2014. And then I played it uh, once pre-renovation, once post. Um, but a lot of these times were, I would say, like before I um, before I had read anything or understood the importance of, like, golf architecture. Uh, but seeing the changes over time, listening to other people speak about it, um, you know, it definitely put a smile on my face just seeing the way um, people thought about or reacted to some of the renovations that restored some of his original designs back to, you know, what they looked like back in the early 1900s. Um, I think Piners is a place that's, like, sort of over um, overcame the, I guess, like, what are the 90s known as, like, um, the dark, dark ages of, like, golf architecture where everything was about, oh, we got to make everything 8,000 yards and grow the rough up. Um, so I definitely had this appreciation for just seeing Piners number two. Um, they, you know, they brought the sand back into play, the short grass areas where the where the ball runs off um, from an Aaron shot into one of a, you know, Donald Ross's greens at number two. Um, the challenge of getting that up and down, like you weren't buried or dead yet, but you had to hit a specific shot and execute it well to actually get up and down. Just one of the coolest things I've like ever seen. Um, like I saw that course when I was in ninth grade. I was probably like a, I don't know, 16 handicap back in the time. So I really didn't appreciate it that much. But like thinking back to those memories of what some of those shots might have required. Um, really cool seeing that as you play it in like the modern day. Um, and then, you know, I think he was uh, kind of rewarded for a lot of his work or a lot of his influence around the United States. Um, I mean, 400 courses across like 40 some odd states, you know, 10 per state in the states that have them. That's a pretty good ratio. Um, pretty decent. I'm sure anyone that like, 
Yeah, let's. I mean, anybody's got to be within a few miles or driving distance of one of his courses. Um, so he was like honored, gotten to the world like with the World Golf Hall of Fame. Um, he's got a lot of respect from a lot of the guys that grew up, um, maybe from like the era that like Tiger or Tiger, I suppose, like grew up watching, or uh, maybe a little bit older than our generation. But guys like Jack Nicholas talk about like. Donald Ross, like his his stamp on the game was um, like his ode to how natural golf courses were. Um, like you know, they didn't have like excavators back in the day. They couldn't move mass amounts of earth. Um, you kind of just had to deal with what was um, there in front of you. Um, and I think that's one of the things that stands out about a lot of Donald Ross courses, especially in uh, the ones that I've seen, where it's very natural. Um, you feel like the area that you're playing belongs to the city or the town that you're in. Um, not a lot of um, man-made slopes, not a lot of man-made greens. Everything was just he, – he was kind of a big fan of just using what the land gave him, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, you know, along with um, designing courses that would stand the test of time, uh, Donald Ross also had this fascination with championship roses um, and he stayed off of, I feel like it was like the third hole at Piners number two. Um, I barely remember this golf hall. I played the golf course about four times. Uh, but yeah, he had this, this fascination or this obsession, whatever you want to call it, with uh, championship roses. Um, so along with his foresight to understand what we'd want to play on a golf course here in North Carolina, or, you know, I suppose North America, um, 400 courses, whatever it is. He had the ability to foresee that, you know, we would also be interested in roses that had some significance, similar to like the other uh, rose that they hand out on the bachelor or the bachelorette. Like that's what the championship roses were for. Yes. Like, his, uh, his <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> his legacy lives on via our Monday nights on the bachelor. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you know, it was yeah. your, like, you either, it's like a make it or break it, Rose, right? Like, you're either just going home and your golf course sucks, Ooh. or you get to live another, you know, a hole. And live to fight another suite. day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the original fantasy suite, his cottage behind <laughs> hole number three. <laughs> I mean, he had seven years between departing Scotland and getting married, right? So, you know, who are we to say what? It was up to or not up to. I'm only 70 miles from Piner, so I should be careful. Just I don't believe in ghosts, but if he makes his way up here, um... <laughs> the ghost of Danny. That's right. <laughs> um, I've stayed at the. Uh, have you guys heard of the Pinecrest Inn? Um, no. No. So so it's just like it's it, it's the ultimate like um, it's a very um it's an old school hotel. It's got to be 100, 120 years old. He owned it at one point. Um, not the most ideal sleeping situation. Like, it's very uncomfortable. It's kind of classic. It's been semi-renovated over the years. But um, you get to hit golf balls into a fireplace that has this, like, cornhole-type board that's, like, um, lined with AstroTurf. So, basically, you have a few drinks, hit golf balls. He was the best opposite-handed chipper. Uh, very entertaining. Um, it's in like the heart of downtown Pinehurst, uh, but apparently he, like, he owned this at one point in time. So you can hit uh, chips inside the lobby, or go outside for a putting contest, or have drinks on the uh, the porch out there. Uh, pretty special mm-hmm. place if you ever find yourself in Pinehurst. Um, not recommended so maybe- for a couple's trip, but um, yeah, guys' trip definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That was not the original fantasy suite. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of the roses or were handed out during the or that property. No, that was like the day date without roses being <laughs> the group date. <laughs> oh man, this has become a bachelor podcast. <laughs> we've now entered a heavily saturated market. <laughs> <laughs> we've whittled we've whittled down our yet existent market to an even smaller yet existent market. It's about daily active users though, right? Like That's right. That's right. All right, so Fahim, I'll get you out of here on this. 
Um, and we consider Donald Ross the original Don. Oh man, who? Um, so, in my experience, um, who would we compare him to? It would be Don Draper on Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, Donald Duck, I suppose. Um, so yeah, out of those three, um, <laughs> I, I'd consider him the original Don. Um, who else comes to mind for you guys? Number 46. 45. 45. Wrong. No comment. We're going to cut that one. Uh, I can't even think of any other Dons. Um, man, you selected two very good ones, though. Yeah. Famous Dons. On Julio. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a strong top four so far. Don Cheadle. Ooh. Later, Don. Don, uh, Don, Don King. Carry on. That's Don a Dom. Dom. Oh, yes. Dom Perio. <laughs> yeah, not Dom. Sorry. <laughs> um... I don't know. I mean, I think the way that you did it was perfect. Donald Duck and Don Draper. <laughs> the only two Dons that matter. <laughs> Exquisite company. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the Lynx stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the Lynx Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Yeah, no, dude, this was awesome. Um, Thank you guys for having me. Um, Yeah, if you guys are ever in North Carolina... um, Let's definitely tee it up sometime. Um, I'll be up in Cleveland um, sometime this summer. I'll, have to, I'll reach out to you if I'm closer to Dayton or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah definitely planning a golf trip up there. We'll have to tee it up. It's worth Marine. the um, okay. yeah Moraine Country Club. It's pretty sweet. They speaking of kind of renovating back to its original design. They did that. They they did a you know multi multi million dollar renovation. Uh, I think while I was still there. So maybe like five years ago. And it's just like awesome. It's more linksy now. There's some there's some undulation and hill to it, but it's undulation. Um, you know, gr- undulation. They grew out the the, fe- <laughs> the fescue and the the greens are always like lightning and it's a tough track, but um, it's it's a good one for sure and definitely uh, if you're in or around Dayton, worth worth a stop. I think um, I think fried egg stopped by there and wrote like a really good really positive review of it so it's uh it's gotten some pub from that and i think it's probably one of the best ones um certainly in in southern ohio if not one of the best so um so i'm a travel consultant so it was last year was pretty fun um played the most golf i've ever played (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was um, like a hundred and i think i played like 125 rounds holy shit Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, say that again? <laughs> 25 and then add 100, Pat. 100, oh, yeah. Rounds last year? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good. Best year ever, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. definitely. What is a typical Fuck. year for you? Um, I usually I, str- I, I usually cross the 80, 90 threshold. Um, Jesus. So it wasn't that dramatic. Yeah, yeah, I play a lot of golf. Awfully committed. <laughs> no, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just jealous. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, I have a buddy that plays like um, over like, uh, he probably averages more rounds uh, than there are like days in the year. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he doesn't work. Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> um, um, should we dive into like design? Do you have something to say, Patrick? <laughs> no, just clear my throat. Sorry. Uh, 
Pat forgot he had a demonstrative. <laughs> he forgot he, had a mute, forgot he had a mute button. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what were you gonna say, Fahim? All right, Fahim, we'll get you out of here on this. My my final question is: Should we consider Donald Ross? Pat, you say something. I said nothing. Oh, I heard it go. <laughs> he whispered something. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and run that back. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing ghosts of Donald Ross. Uh, <clears throat> he heard Fahim throwing shade. Um, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.